This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3592, for Tuesday, the 10th of May, 2022. Today's show is entitled, A Quick Look at the Surface Pro X. It is hosted by Nightwise and is about 23 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, Nightwise gives a quick overview of three months on the Surface Pro X, Hey there, Hacker Public Radio. This is Nightwise from the Nightwise.com podcast, checking in with a little review of the Surface Pro X. Well, for those of you who don't know, the Microsoft Surface Pro is one of the, um, well, what do you say, uh, laptops slash tablets slash uh, transformables, or however you want to call them, in the Microsoft line, and it's uh, been around for a while. I mean, Microsoft started making Surface laptops or tablets a long time ago. In the beginning, those were still uh, preloaded with Windows RT on some kind of ARM processor, but ever since the Surface Pro 2 came out, they switched to an Intel processor and went with regular Windows on those machines. I've been a Surface user for a couple of years now. I think that at first I experimented with a Surface Pro 1 with an Intel. There's there's also an Intel version that I got many years ago that I played around with and put Linux on. And then I got a Surface Pro 2 and a 3 and a 4. And then it went quiet for a while because, quite frankly, the Surface line wasn't really keeping up with things as they are today. The latest Surface uh, that I got was a Surface Go, which was their first kind of low-end approach to a Surface convertible laptop. You know, uh, so for those of you who don't know, the Surface, it's a glass slate, it runs Windows, you snap on a keyboard if you want to, it's a flap, there's a stylus involved, you can run Windows, but you can also draw with the stylus. And... um, the last Surface that I got is the Surface Go. This was a 10-inch, fairly cheap um, Surface laptop or Surface uh, tablet. And it was so popular uh, that I especially liked it because it uh, kind of kept up with the times. The latest Surface that was out at that time, don't get if I'm not wrong, was the Surface Pro 6. Um, but it didn't sport any USB-C connectors. Now, I was working as a consultant in a bank in Brussels, and I had to use their systems every day, but you could bring your own machine. So a lot of my colleagues brought their Macs and plugged it into the USB-C dock over there and then just fired up the Citrix connection. And I was thinking about you know something to take with me on the train, so I got the Surface Go which was pretty cheap at the time. It had a USB-C port, and I wasn't like, it only has to run Citrix. It has to be small, so I can use it on the train. It doesn't have to be very fast or very powerful. And then, you know, I just uh, arrive at the client, pop it in, turn it into something client, and it's good. I had that machine for a while, and I had a love-hate relation with it because it had a Pentium Gold processor. No i3. Now i5 at Pentium Gold. The foreign factor was fantastic. 10 inches, as big as an iPad, uh, 1920 by 1080 display, uh, great battery life, super foreign factor, great for, for whatever you wanted to do with it, but 
at some times it would be really, really, really slow. And it would heat up when it was docked to the uh, USB-C dock uh, at the client. It would get really slow. It would throttle down. And I would, you know, have this fairly unreliable machine. So I kind of got rid of it and I said like, no, never again am I going to go for a Surface. At the end of last year, I had to make some investments for my company and uh, I went like, okay, maybe it's time for, for something with uh, a tablet form factor again that is also a desktop. And I've always been in love with the Surface um, line of things. But the current Surface Pro that was available in Belgium also didn't have a USB-C port. It was the Surface Pro 7, the 8 wasn't out yet, and it was still the old form factor, you know. Um, might have had a USB-C port, but I thought it kind of looked old, big bezels around it, and um, not really a device I wanted to, to buy. But it had a cousin, and that cousin was the Surface Pro X, which featured an ARM processor. Now, I had seen the first iteration of that Surface Pro X, and it was like, you know, it looked good. It looked modern, where the Surface Pro 7 basically didn't really upgrade any of its ports, bezels, or look and feel, as opposed to the many models ahead of time. The Surface Pro X actually really looked good. It was a lot thinner. The bezels were, were, were a lot thinner. It has a real sleek, rounded setup. It was a it was a futuristic device. And I went like, that's interesting, but it sported an ARM processor. Now I read up on it and ARM and Windows didn't really go that well together. Uh, you had some emulation, but the ARM processor, uh, Windows 10 on the ARM processor couldn't emulate 64-bit apps. This was a good thing because a lot of people bought this machine, installed, 64-bit app and got the error, you know, this app doesn't run on your device. Basically rendering it useless for those people who wanted to use it as some kind of desktop. Great for a geek like me who's an early adopter and likes to, you know, jump in at, at the fray, at the cutting edge and experiment with it. So after some back and forth, a lot of editing, some YouTube videos, I went like, you know what, this thing isn't really done yet. But as you might know from the uh, contributions that, I did that I've done before to HPR, I don't mind really done. <laughs> I kind of like the bleeding edge. So I went for the Surface Pro X and I bought me one. It's a 128, gig, 128 gigabyte SSD, which is interchangeable. Uh, 16 gigabyte uh, model. Uh, I've got the black one. I went with the Surface Pro keyboard with the integrated new stylus that auto charges. And I got it. First impressions were, wow, this is the future. Great keyboard as Surface keyboards come. Because if you put them on the little kickstands, you know, where they're at a slight angle and you type away, you hear this very classic clackety 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 clack that you always hear when you're working with a Surface uh, laptop. I've gotten used to it. Uh, if I really want to do some serious typing, I just, you know, put it in a, a non-wedge shape and just put the keyboard flat, the, the keyboard lid flat on the table and then it doesn't sound so hollow, but the, the keys are nice, it types fine. The display is absolutely gorgeous, the battery life is fantastic, it comes with built-in 3G, absolutely love that, and it was a fairly fast device, you know, even though um, a lot of the non-native apps, non-ARM apps, 
are emulated. I've already played around with emulation and, and using a different architecture on your computer than is mainstream with the uh, MacBook Air M1 that I got, and I was very pleased with that. So I went like, this X1 is gonna give me kind of the same experience. So pretty soon as I was getting into to installing it and, and, and putting my apps on there, I ran into the, uh, this app doesn't run on your, on your system. Uh, so I had the option, you know, either stick with 32-bit on Windows 10 with a native, mature, ARM-based Windows 10 install and native apps or 32-bit emulated apps or go to Windows 11. Windows 11 isn't cooked yet uh, for this architecture. So I went with the development channel and I did the beta pre-release. Upgraded the machine, took some tinkering, and it's now on Windows 11. The first impressions that I got was this machine is kind of wonky. Um, things were a little unstable. They didn't really crash, but the operating system would sometimes not respond to clicks and stuff like that, and I, it, it really felt immature. Now, it's a beta release, I know, but I went like, this is really immature. So I took some... Uh, faffing about and I thought you know maybe this is not the way to go because I've got this pretty new fairly expensive device that is not really reliable so uh, I nuked it and instead of going to the development channel I went to the beta channel where you get a more stable non-bleeding edge version of the operating system presented to you and I did found out that did find out that that was a lot more stable I also kind of changed my approach to the machine where I started using Edge, which ran native, and OneDrive, which ran native and stuff. More like an enhanced version of a Chromebook where I thought like, let's do browser-based applications first. And you can you know, just run them in a browser or you can right-click on Edge and make an app out of them, a web app, just like you can do in GNOME and stuff like that, or in Chrome and uh, use web apps that way and then to supplement those web-based first applications I would go with native applications that came from the store and run on ARM architecture and then go with emulated applications should I still need them. The result is a fairly stable, well highly stable, fairly fast machine it is light it is incredibly well built as are most Microsoft Surface devices and the software that I have on it right now by not trying to emulate everything and going for the bleeding bleeding edge has given me a very stable and usable environment the great thing about the Surface Pro X is of course the built-in LTE and the fantastic battery life which beats having an Intel-based machine with the same specs. So, because I mostly use my Surface on the road, it became a mobile, effective, and hyper-connected place to work from. Having web apps as my primary app architecture selection was actually very good, because I did have that constant connectivity either through LTE or through wireless and combining that with the fact that this device offered me 
an incredibly long battery life and the ability to connect via USB-C to whatever docking station I want also made it this great portable Chromebook-like thing, client-like device that I could take uh, to consultancy gigs where I have to work on foreign systems or foreign networks. Added value there is that the stylus is now integrated into the keyboard. It used to snap onto the side of the Surface, which was great until you put your Surface away in a bag and then the stylus would fall off and you would be looking around, faffing about for the stylus. Now it's connected uh, in little, there's a little, there's a little gap, there's a little wedge, uh, there's a little hole or, or, or indentation, should I call it, into the keyboard where you snap it in. That way the stylus get, gets automatically uploaded. The new stylus also comes with a fairly better form factor, so it's easier to hold. And I have been doing quite a bit of note-taking on it because I love to use this device for studying because it ticks one box that is so incredibly important for me, and that is tiled windows in portrait mode. If you use your iPad in uh, multi-view or in, in multiple application mode, you can run applications side by side. If you then put your iPad in portrait mode, you can also run those applications side by side, but you cannot stack the applications on top of each other. And this is where the device, and actually Windows 11 on this device, shines. I put the device in portrait mode, snap off the keyboard, put it in portrait mode, um, take out the stylus, and I can stack the windows on top of each other. So I have a YouTube video running on the, in the top of the screen, either 50% of the screen or 20, 30% of the screen, and OneNote on the bottom half of the screen. And this gives me a fantastic way to, um, to take notes to study because I look at the top half of the screen and I start writing at the bottom half of the screen. And that way it becomes a great device for, for, ta for annotating stuff and, and doing stuff. I love to, to write, so OneNote's a big friend of, 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 of my workflow. I do a lot of things in OneNote. I do a lot of writing. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and try to study watching them so the 50-50 or 80-20 vertical split of the screen is really nice. The stylus is really nice to work with. I recently got me a uh, matte screen display, uh, screen protection, which has a paperly feel, so writing on it feels a lot more paperly as it does, so I'm really pleased with that. And of course, if I still want to work in landscape mode with the keyboard attached, that po that's possible. Or if I want to take notes with the keyboard, atta with the keyboard attached while I'm, per for example, reading an ebook on the other half of the screen, I can do the 50-50 split in, in landscape mode. So, rounding up. This device is, for me, very, very generous when it comes to adhering to my fairly outrageous demands. I wanted a device that had a long battery life so I could use it as I use an iPad where I don't really have to worry about charging all day long and it ticked that box. I wanted something that gave me the ability to act as a laptop so together with the Bluetooth mouse and the snap-on keyboard 
that's just that. It's not the greatest laptop in the world. It's not the greatest keyboard in the world, especially not if you're used to a, a ThinkPad keyboard or if you really prefer a, a new, new style, non-butterfly uh, Apple keyboard like it's on the, um, on the uh, MacBook Air M1. Uh, but it's, it's good for a pinch. The touchpad still feels kind of plasticky when you click on it. The, the sound is still horrible. You get this really hollow clock when you type and click. But aside from that, the way that you can carry it around and the way that you can work with, with it is, is nice. It's a great convertible, that's the word I was looking for. When you snap away the keyboard, you can either just, uh, you know, uh, attach, um, use it as a tablet. And I, when I say use it as a tablet, I do mean using it as a tablet to, for example, take notes. Because, you know, you can say what you want, Windows 10 with the Metro interface didn't have a great uh, tablet experience. Windows 11 isn't really a lot better, better if I have to be completely honest. Um, I still think that the Windows 11 interface is not tablet and touch friendly, especially not in the way that an iPad is, um, but it will do in a pinch. But the upside is, of course, the ability to to run desktop applications but still take notes on the side which for me makes it a great device to take with me to the client take notes uh, still be in outlook and and get all of the things that i want to think want to do without having to drag around two devices and it offers me the connectivity that i want having the onboard lte and the long battery life the small form factor does make it a perfect road companion to take with me places where I want to go and have a very futuristic device with me because this thing with its black um, casing and its flaming red background is something that you don't see a lot uh, the 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 the, um, the color scheme is almost uh, entirely reserved for the surface pro X line so clients notice that they will whoa what is that that's that my boy is a machine from the future that is cutting edge technology that is so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with how that machine turned out so yeah that's if you take it all in a pinch my first impression of the Surface Pro X not not a tablet per se not a real laptop per se something that is eternally in limbo but does offer the ability to be not one be not the other but kind of give you what you want in between. A great portable thin client should you want to, a fantastic thing, uh, fantastic um, Chromebook alternative if you prefer to work, work web-based, and the ability to run the occasional desktop app, be it, an be it an emulation where I seldom feel the difference, not a lot, but still have the ability to run the app should I need to. The secret to owning a, per a Surface Pro X would be to hone your expectations and the way you deploy and use software that you run on it. Don't expect it to be a pure Intel-bred device. Don't expect it to be a pure tablet. Expect from it that it is somewhere, something in between that gives you the convenience to carry only one device that you can use both with your hands on a keyboard, docked uh, at a docking station, and with a stylus to take notes and as a tablet alternative 
and it will suit you well. Even though ARM is still new and fresh, we do see that um, Lenovo launched their first uh, ARM ThinkPad. So I think that ARM architecture is going to be on the rise. The age of Intel, when it comes down to the way it consumes CPU and then battery life and the way that we are going towards a mobile application landscape where architecture is mostly ARM-based uh, and not Intel-based does mean that this might be a device that heralds things to come. Cutting-edge stuff, sometimes a little experimental, nice to play around with, and wouldn't even dream of running Linux on it, but still very interesting device. This was Nightwise signing off. If you want to know more, head over to my blog, www.nightwise.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com, where you'll find the podcast where I mostly talk about Linux and cross-platform applications. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash nightwise. And, uh, you know, give me a ping there, and uh, we'll meet up. I'll respond to your tweets on my Surface Pro X. See you guys. Bye with the stuff that I have already committed to in the cloud. That can be my Spotify account. That can be my Office 365 account. That can be my Netflix. That can be my whatever. Is it compatible with that? How it looks, what color it has, is fine. But whether it's a Mac, a Windows, a Linux machine, an Android telephone, an iOS telephone, a tablet a smart refrigerator or television set if it's compatible with the up with the platforms that the users are committed to then it has a chance of survival so the year of the linux desktop is coming by because all of the platforms all of the operating systems are out there are compatible with the platforms and if you have one some kind of free open libre sandal-wearing version of distro that is completely free but doesn't work with anything, you don't stand a chance. It's not about freedom. It's not about open code. It's about stuff that connects with the platforms that you use. And if those platforms are closed, if those, if those, um, if those platforms are closed, if, if those companies are evil, users don't care. Users want something that works. So, for me, that 2204 distro that I installed just worked. Really happy about it. And uh, you might want to, you know, take a look at it, check it out, and see if uh, Linux would work for you, too. This was Nightwise of the Nightwise.com podcast, signing off, talking to anybody out there that still has a microphone and some time and some geeky stuff to tell uh, us. Please record a show, upload it to the queue, and make Hacker Public Radio, I don't know, great again? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> make it make it interesting. Yeah, yeah, do that. See you guys. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. 
hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.